0: Hi everyone, I'm Sarah Powers.
1: And I'm Megan Francis. And you're listening to a special series from the Mom Hour podcast called Pandemic Perspectives. In
0: this series of episodes, we're talking to parents and people from around the world whose lives are affected by the COVID-19 global pandemic in a way that might not make it into your social media feeds quite as often.
1: You'll hear from families on the front lines experiencing an unprecedented time in a very specific way. And you'll hear what's challenging as well as what's hopeful. We can't wait to share their stories with you. Welcome to Pandemic Perspectives from The Mom Hour.
0: Hi, everyone. I'm Sarah Powers, and you are listening to Pandemic Perspectives on The Mom Hour. Today, I am talking with Maddie, a mom of three from Ohio. Maddie, thank you so much for being here. And tell us a little bit about your family, how many kids you have, and what you do for a living.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Um, My name's Maddie. I have three boys ranging from six, five. And eight months old, we have what most people consider a blended family. I like to call it a yours, mine, and ours. (laughs) So our oldest is my boyfriend's son, and then the middle is my son, and our youngest is our son. I love it. So we co-parent with both of the oldest two's other parents, and that's just a weekly battle every week, just getting them back, taking them over there. But but it's just become life. Yeah. Um, I'm a warehouse worker for Gap, so we pick for. Old Navy, Banana Republic, Athleta, all of the Gap brands. So it's been really busy lately.
0: Yeah. So before we get into how things have changed, can you just talk about what a warehouse picker does in normal times? Like what that what your day-to-day uh work is like and um even your schedule and your shifts and all that?
2: Yes. So normally I would work four 10 hour shifts and our orders are normally pretty steady. We don't ever get too busy, but Um, it's just, we go in every morning and we start with all of our different orders. I walk from aisle to aisle and I pick all of these different clothes all day. I throw all of these items in a tote and they all make it onto a line. Okay. It doesn't sound like very hard work, but.
0: But I think it's something that not all of us have thought about. And I find it fascinating just to learn about different jobs. So. You know, if if someone's shopping online at home and they send their order in at some point, that order gets to you and you are physically walking around a warehouse and finding like, you know, boys shorts size 40 from Old Navy and you are the one to find those and get them to the next phase where they will be packed up and shipped. Is that right? Yes, that is exactly right. Okay, so, yeah, I mean, I I do think it's super interesting and we don't always think about all of the parts and pieces that go into our online shopping. Um, So how has your schedule and your work changed over the last couple months? You are still going to work. Is that correct?
3: Yes,
2: I am still working. Honestly, our workload is way heavier than it should be at this time of year. Since all of the storefronts are closed, everybody's at home clicking on their phones and ordering everything online.
0: So does that mean that a given shift just feels busier or are you have you been called in for overtime? Has your schedule changed or is it just the volume that you do while you're there?
2: They're having us do it's it's optional overtime right now, but we're getting up to 60 hour weeks and people are being able to work up to 12 hours a day. Okay, They can't make any of this mandatory yet because we're still on the lockdown order. So they're just hoping that everybody comes in and helps them pull through. So
0: I'm Curious, and you may not even know the answer to this, but how does retail like gap figure in when we talk about essential? Um, Obviously, like we need to clothe our families, um, and certain areas of our economy need to keep going. I have found myself being like, should I shop? Should I not shop? Like, I don't want to put people in danger, but at the same time, I want to support the economy. I feel like, do you feel like it's a little bit of a gray? area where you're still having to go to work and people still need clothes but it it maybe doesn't fit the definition of um essential when we think of grocery stores and gas stations for example.
2: It's it's the biggest gray area because when they were talking about what the essential businesses were, we all assumed that we're not going to stay in business. We're just clothing. We are only picking clothes for people. Why do people need clothes in a time like this? Everybody's right. already got stuff. <laughs> but <laughs> But because the storefronts are closed down, they've been telling us, well, this is the only way we can keep business afloat. So if we're not working, the whole company's not working. So that would cause them too big of a financial decrease to make it worth it.
0: That's really interesting. And that's interesting um, how things are communicated to you. I would imagine um, that it feels good to still have a job? I mean, because there are certain industries where that's affected. Does it feel stressful
2: going to work right now? It feels very stressful because it's hard to stay six feet away from everybody when you're constantly picking in the same aisle with people. Mm -hmm. So it just, it's one of those things where you don't want to be too close to somebody, but you know, you have to do your job.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what else feels hard right now? What feels hardest? It could be something at work, something at home, or a little bit of both.
2: I think the hardest right now is just, I'm not normally too concerned about my other kids at their other houses, but right now I just, I'm so worried. Like, who are you with? What are you doing? What, who have they been with? Where Mm -hmm. have they been? And it's just, it's one of those fears that you don't think that you're going to have to have because I, because I know that they're safe, but I just don't know who everybody else has been around.
0: Right. It's that contact. It's like when you see the diagram of the little dots and contact spreading is when you have a blended family. So you have the two older boys who each go to a separate house sometimes. And then in each of those houses, like you say, even if people are mostly being responsible, there's just a lot of a lot of like exponential variables there. So that
2: exactly. And it's like you don't you don't think about it like that until you do see that dot diagram. And it's like, holy cow, you really do come in contact with more people than you think you do. Yeah. And you don't know where they've
0: been. Yeah. And how are the three little boys doing? Do you feel like their life and schedule feels mostly the same? They're a little young for um, the remote online schooling that so many families are dealing with. So do they are they just kind of rolling with the punches these days? They're definitely rolling with the punches.
2: Cameron, our oldest, has had a couple of those Zoom classes. So he's his is pretty normal still. He gets to talk to his teachers and see his friends every once in a while. Wyatt just doesn't understand he was in his first year of preschool he was so excited and I told him I said buddy you don't get to go back to school this year (laughs) and he said but mom I didn't get to go to begin with yeah I was like I know buddy it'll be longer next year yeah (laughs) and luckily with Oliver he's just you know eight months old he's he's living the best life right now he's like mom mom is here and dad is here. So everything's fine. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The babies and the dogs in all of this are mostly happy to have everybody home. Right.
2: They're like, whoa, what just happened? Why do we get to have you again?
0: (laughs) This is awesome. Oh, my gosh. Um, Well, what feels hopeful right now in your situation? Are there little things bringing you points of hope or happiness?
2: You know, being able to be with my kids, I have to say, is probably like the best thing just because like I know I know that they're healthy. Mm -hmm. I know that they're here and I know it could be a lot worse. Yeah. And I'm just thankful for the position that we've been put in where we've been safe so far.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, is there anything else that you want other moms to understand maybe about the work that you do or the industry that you're in? Anything you want to leave us with today? Yes.
2: To all of the people sitting at home. Ordering on your phones, please be patient with us. I promise we are picking as fast as we can. We are processing all of your orders as fast as we can. It just is so much for some companies to do. Right. And it's helpful when you
0: described it to understand um, that it's still obviously it's still a human element um, and that the the volume has increased so much that it's a lot to put on an existing staff or workforce. When all of a sudden the volume increases, you know, exponentially. So, yes,
2: especially when we weren't expecting it. Normally you have your peak seasons of the sure. holidays and everything, but right now you expect it to be slow.
0: Yeah. Or right. I'm just curious. Have you observed any other like patterns or trends in what people are ordering? What types of clothing? Like I would never shop for like a bathing suit right now for me or my kids because I don't know. When we're go- I live I live three miles from the beach and I don't know when we're going again. So I'm curious if you are privy to that or if you've noticed any patterns.
2: Everybody is ordering flip flops right now. Oh, that's it's so like funny. they want to be in the summer mood, but they don't know if they're going to be able to go to the beach or not. So they're like, well, we can at least buy the flip flops now.
0: Right. That's so funny. What about like comfy pants? I feel like everyone needs comfy pants.
2: You know, definitely a lot more comfy pants than I expected. More sweatpants than shorts. Yeah. Which is surprising for this time of year. <laughs> That's
0: true. Although if you, if people are working from home, they're pretty much in climate control and like we, Exactly. Like so said, they can
2: be as cold as they want all yeah. day. They can stay in their comfies.
0: That is that is so funny. Oh my gosh. Well, um, I'm grateful that you're going to work and filling orders and just super grateful that you took the time to share a little bit of your life with us today. So thank you, Maddie, for being here and take care and stay safe and healthy with your
2: boys. Yes, thank you so much for this opportunity.
1: Sarah, the stories we've been hearing and sharing as part of this special Pandemic Perspective series are so important, and they've really got me thinking about ways to help and make an impact. I know that right now our listeners are also eager to make a difference, so we're excited to share a great opportunity from our friends at Crisis Text Line.
0: Yes, so Crisis Text Line offers 24-7 support from trained crisis counselors all delivered via text to people in crisis. As you can imagine, our current national situation with people stuck at home and sometimes in unsafe or unhealthy situations, it's really created a huge demand for extra mental health support.
1: Crisis Text Line is responding to that need by building up its base of volunteer crisis counselors. And this could be a perfect opportunity for you You don't have to have any particular education or work background to apply, just a desire to help out and empathy, which we know our listeners have so much of. Oh, yeah. And you'll also need a strong Wi-Fi signal.
0: You can do this important work during nap time, after the kids are in bed or before they get up in the morning. You can do it in your pajamas, on the sofa, wherever you are and whatever your home life situation crisis text line can accommodate you as a volunteer. Crisis Text Line provides all the training you'll need to turn your desire to help into the skills and knowledge you need to make a difference. It's actually 30 hours of training, so it's a big commitment, but you can be confident that you'll have the tools and information you need to do the work.
1: This is such a great way to make a difference right now when we know so many of you are feeling helpless because you're stuck at home. Just go to themomhour.com slash CTL. Even if you can't get started right now, it's a good idea to go through the application and training process because we know the mental health impact of COVID-19 is going to last for some time. Applying to become a crisis counselor is a great way to start the ball rolling on a volunteer opportunity that could be really rewarding and impactful now and in the future.
0: And if you're having a hard time right now and you need some help, you can also get support right now. Text GO to 741741 and you'll be connected to a trained crisis counselor. It usually takes less than five minutes to connect with someone who can provide a listening ear. You don't have to be in a dire situation to reach out. Crisis Text Line really is for any situation where you need some extra help and support.
1: Again, if you're interested in applying to become a crisis counselor, go to themomhour.com slash ctl to get started. Or if you could use some support yourself, text go to 741741 and you'll be matched with a counselor of your own. Again, that's themomhour.com slash ctl to apply to become a volunteer crisis counselor or you can text go to 741741 to be connected with a crisis counselor. Hi hey everyone, this is Megan and you're listening to Pandemic Perspectives on the Mom Hour. Today, I'm talking with Sarah, a mom of one with a baby on the way. Sarah, tell us about your family and what you do for a living.
3: Well, I live um, in the South with my husband, and um, we have a son who is going to be two in just a couple weeks. And then I'm currently pregnant with another son who will be joining us in October. And for my job, I'm an attorney. I work for um, basically a state child welfare agency. So. I do child welfare law. I work with um, child protective services, kids who are in foster care, things like that.
1: Okay, wow. So that must be really challenging right now um, because that work has to continue. That, I mean, that is essential, right? So let's first of all, dive into what the biggest ways are that your life looks different right now than it did a month ago. And then I want to get more into your work.
3: Um, Well, like I think a lot of moms right now, Probably the biggest difference is that we're all at home almost all the time. My son's daycare is actually open still, but we chose to keep him at home because we felt like that was um, safer. Mm. So it's been a really big adjustment trying to figure out work schedules. My husband also works full time. So we're trying to care full time for a one-year-old and both get our jobs done, um, which has been pretty overwhelming, especially with my work. We tried to create like a schedule that would be consistent for our son, um, so that he kind of knew what to expect when mom would be with him, when dad would be with him. Um, but my job has a lot of emergencies that pop up. So even when we think we have a schedule, you know, things happen and we keep having to shift it around. Um, and it's, it's, it's been a challenge.
1: Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about your job. Um, I imagine there are so many kids who right now need help more than ever, um, families that are really struggling, and that work can't end. But is, has the social distancing changed the way you're able to interact with families? I know you're a lawyer, so maybe, um, maybe your interaction is a little bit different to begin with. But how is that kind of playing out in your field?
3: Um, yeah, so I'm a lawyer. Um, I used to spend three to four days a week in court. Um, and we have kind of modified things to be able to keep going with that. Um, a lot of courts are just basically not having any hearings right now, but Mm. that's, that's not feasible in my area of work. Um, so we have switched to video conferencing for most of our court hearings, which has been an interesting, Mm. um, change and a little hard to get used to, um, there's challenges that come along with it that we're kind of finding as we go along. Like, if you need documents to be submitted to the court, then you're going to have to figure that out ahead of time and somehow, you know, email those over to the court so that someone there can print them out and give them to the judge when it's time, make sure all the other attorneys have copies. There's just a lot of logistical differences for my piece of things, but definitely the bigger challenge would be what the social workers are dealing with the day to day now, because, you know, they still have to go out and check on kids in their homes. They still have to drug screen people. Um, so, you know, they're not like a lot of other people, uh, you know, the medical professionals, law enforcement, they're still kind of out there on the front lines. They can't observe all the social distancing rules that the rest of us are trying to observe because they have to do what they need to do to keep children safe.
1: Right. And are the families themselves um I can imagine there's some resistance about allowing outsiders into your space right now and and some of the messaging might seem conflicting like you're supposed to do this except you're a special <laughs> this is a special situation so you need to let us in or whatever it is. How how is that playing out um for the social workers who are really those on the front lines and really having to get out there into the community?
3: Um, yeah, it's been difficult. Um, there are a lot of families who don't want to allow the social workers into their homes. And it's, it's hard because you understand that on the one hand. And then on the other hand, um, they may be trying to investigate something that's very serious. So, you know, we're kind of having to weigh things as we go along. Um, weigh what are the concerns that we have? Are there things we can do to mitigate? The social distancing issue is a little bit like if there's no reason to believe that the home itself is you know dangerous. Maybe you don't need to go inside. Can the child come out on the porch and talk with you um, as opposed to you going in the house? Um, so they're trying to find uh, workarounds, but it's it's kind of on a case by case basis right now.
1: Mm. And I can imagine um, the foster care system probably creates. Its own challenges because I imagine kids are going back and forth between foster families and maybe their parents, um, so that's got to be tough too absolutely and it's
3: um again, a lot of that is sort of case by case as well. you know we have foster parents with medical conditions or who are immune suppressed who don't feel that it's safe for a foster child in their home to go to a different home and come back. Mm. Um, And so we're having to address those issues. There are cases where kids aren't getting to visit their parents, or maybe they're just um, interacting with them on video, um, you know, on Skype or FaceTime. And that's all they're getting right now. Um, And that's obviously very hard for the kids. It's hard for the families. Um, We have a lot of parents who are only allowed to have, say, supervised visitation. And the problem is that the people who normally supervise those visits, they don't want to go out in the community right. and be around people.
1: Well, and so then you've it, got how many different interactions, like how many different people are getting together and interacting right now, right. you know, you're not supposed to be any. And then that's like three different people, the foster parent, the supervisor, and the parent. All, right. All interacting with this child. Yeah. I can see how that causes some really big concerns. Um, are there, I know that's one thing that has been on the minds of a lot of people, um, what happens in the situation where kids were better off in many ways in school or being out in, in around um, these structured systems that kept them safer. And now they're not there and whether it's physical safety, whether they have access to food, like whatever it is that the situation is, are there ways people can help with that? Are there organizations that are good to support right now? Um, just thinking along the lines of trying to help. Um, I know locally there where I am, the school
3: districts are still trying to do a lot as far as like providing food to kids and things like that. Um, And there may be ways that people can help in their local school districts with things like that. Um, But I'd love to maybe send you some um, links. I will say one other thing is, and there may, I'll look to see if there's, um, if this is just happening here locally where I am, or there may be other places around the country. I know some people were taking up donations for, um, or asking people to make masks and mm. donate them as well for the social workers. Oh, okay. I know that there's a lot of conversation about that, um, for medical professionals, which is obviously very important. Um, but I've seen some organizations that are trying to get mask donations for social workers who are having to go out and be in people's homes during this mm. time as well.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay, Sarah, so we just laid out some things that feel really hard, um, some of which, you know, the whole juggling the toddler at home and trying to still get your work done is very universal. And then the specifics around your job, which are, you know, are really unique. Um, So to take that to the flip side, is there anything that feels hopeful right now? Sure.
3: Well, first of all, you know, I'm having a baby, (laughs) um, which is something that to me always feels happy and hopeful. We, um, our close friends and family have known for a while now, but we actually just over the weekend kind of shared that more widely Mm. on like on my Facebook page and with our extended family. So that's been really fun to have everyone be excited, just to have something to be excited about and everyone sharing that excitement together. So that has felt really hopeful. Um, and just talking with our son about his brother and, um, it's really sweet to hear him talk about all the things he wants to do with his brother. Um, so that's probably one of the most hopeful things that we have, you know, going on in our family and also kind of in the more in the realm of, I guess, gratefulness, but, um, I'm trying, some days are better than others as far as being able to focus on things Mm -hmm. to be grateful about. Um, which I think is totally normal and fine. Some days it's, it's okay to just throw up your hands, but, um, I'm trying really hard to feel appreciative for all the extra time that I'm getting right now with my son, because I know that everything's going to be really different, um, in the fall when we add another child to our family and it's going to be hard to balance taking care of both of them, meaning both of their needs. And it's going to be a big change for, for our son. So I'm, Working really hard every day on appreciating the time that I'm spending with them with him, and um, just the fact that I get all this extra time instead of him being in daycare, I get to yeah. watch him learn and have these conversations with him. Um, so that's something that at least on good days um I'm really appreciating
1: well, it's Sarah and I just talked about this um on an episode that hasn't gone live yet, but you can hold both, like you can be grateful for the fact that this is in some ways a blessing and that you maybe have it better than a lot of other families while also sometimes still spiraling and getting grumpy and like stressed out, right? Those, those two things can go hand in hand and they're not mutually exclusive. So I really, absolutely um, I really like that. Um, So you are pregnant and early on, relatively early on in your pregnancy and you're in kind of a stressful job. Um, And so things look different for you than they do for maybe other moms. So what do you wish other moms understood about, but kind of where you are in, in all this?
3: Um, I guess I would like for moms to understand um, truly how challenging it is for me to make the right decisions for my family, for my job, and trying to balance all of those things. Mm. And sometimes it feels like there is no right decision. Um, You know, there's, I'm I'm trying to stay at home as much as I possibly can, of course. Um, I've had things come up, emergency hearings that I had to physically go to court for. Um, Sometimes I have to physically go to my office for different things. And each time that I'm deciding what I'm going to do, it just, it feels like a really weighty decision. Um, And it's certainly not something that I take lightly because I I want to do what's right for my family. I want to protect myself. I want to protect my son and my husband. Um, But I also, there are things that I just have to do for my work. And it just feels really hard to balance. I mean, Mm -hmm. even with me and my husband, um, having conversations about this has been really hard. And there's been times where he's felt like upset that I'm going to go out somewhere to do something for my work. Um, which I totally understand and recognize that, you know, he's just worried. He's worried about me and our family. Um, But it's hard because I sometimes feel like you don't understand the pressures that I have to make sure I'm doing everything I have to do for my work. So that's really tough to balance.
1: Yeah. And it's like when everybody seems to be beating the same drum of like, don't leave your house, don't go anywhere, don't do anything. Even though you logically know um, that you're making these choices from a really difficult place and that you're thinking it through really carefully, it's hard not to let that kind of bubble up and subconsciously even, and make you wonder like, is this really important enough? Is this really essential enough? And then you and your husband have completely different thoughts and ideas about that. And that's, that's like a tough place. So I think where a lot of people are finding themselves for a variety of reasons right now, um, we're just not sure quite what is the right thing to do.
3: Right. And it, it changes. It feels like it's changing. Like the recommendations they had earlier on are not the same as the recommendations mm. that they have now as far as what's safe. Right. Um, and so I feel like that's changing the calculus for everyone.
1: Yeah, that is so true. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for sharing your perspective. Um, Really value hearing from you, especially because of the line of work that you're in. And um, we will definitely link up any resources you're able to share. Um, Thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me.
0: We have so enjoyed getting to know so many of you and hearing your stories for this series. It's just really eye-opening to get a sense of how this is all playing out in different families and careers and communities across the United States and beyond.
1: Yes. And if you've been listening along and thinking, oh, I wish they'd done a story that reflects my experience, here's your chance. We're still looking for guests to be interviewed as a part of the series over the next few weeks, and we would love to share your story.
0: In particular, we're still looking for stories of small business owners and employees, retail, restaurant, hospitality, service businesses, people whose livelihoods have been interrupted and will continue to be impacted by COVID-19. If that's you, or if you have another story you'd love to share with us, please visit themomhour.com slash perspectives to fill out a short form letting us know more about your story and we'll be in touch. Again, that's the slash perspectives to let us know how COVID-19 is impacting you, your family, your business, and your community. We hope to hear from you soon. Hi, everyone. I'm Sarah Powers, and you are listening to Pandemic Perspectives on The Mom Hour. Today, I'm talking with Robin, a mom of two from Southern California. Robin, thank you so much for being here. And tell us a little bit about your family, where you live, and what you do for a living.
4: Hi, Sarah. It's so great to be talking to you. Thanks for having me. Um, so I live um, in Southern California with my, uh, my husband, who is a principal of a through K-8 school. And okay. I have two kids. Uh, One 12-year-old in seventh grade and a fifth grader. She's 11.
0: Okay. Um, And you, tell me what
4: you do for a living. I teach fourth grade. um, So that's a lot of fun, usually. Yeah,
0: a little bit different (laughs) now. Um, I'm so excited to get into all this because I feel like our listeners are now many weeks into remote online learning, online school, whatever you want to call it. Um, and there's just this, I feel like for the most part, parents empathize with teachers and teachers empathize with parents, but at the same time, it's like someone on the other end of a screen or a zoom call or an email. Um, so I'm really excited to dig into this with you. Um, first I'm just curious what kind of school, what kind of fourth grade, what kind of school were you teaching at when you, when you were actually leaving your house and going to school?
4: Yeah, so I teach at a regular public school that has kids from kindergarten to 5th grade. Okay. So, and it's about a 400 student school, so not super big, but
0: Yeah, we know here here in Southern California our public schools get pretty big. Did you have like 32 in a class?
4: My class this year has 28.
0: Okay. I'm a little, mm-hmm. I'm a little jealous. I haven't seen anything in the twenties where we are, but, and so let's talk a little bit about how things have changed. Um, I assume you transitioned in the middle of March or so to online learning. Do you want to talk a little bit about, you know, how you made the transition to teaching remotely and, and what that has looked like for the last couple months?
4: Sure. So um, our last day that we were actually at the school site was March 13th. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Tuesday before that day was our staff meeting and they they told us that we may be closing the schools. And so because of that, we were to uh prepare two weeks of lesson plans that we could send home with the students that okay. they could complete the original closure was just for two weeks in our district. Mm -hmm. So um, it was supposed to be two weeks and then we were supposed to come back for a week and then have spring break. Mm -hmm. And many of us thought, Oh, we'll probably be closed that third week as well, but we'll come back after spring break. So um, obviously that changed um, immensely in the week following Mm -hmm. and it became obvious pretty quickly that We weren't going to be going back anytime soon. Mm -hmm. Um, And so about, so my students had plans that we had sent home, but about a weekend, it became obvious that it was going to continue longer. So we, we began to investigate different ways to have Zoom meetings has been what we've been doing with Mm -hmm. our kids. (laughs) So That was an interesting transition to go from, you know, in person to trying to figure out how do you manage twenty eight kids on a Zoom.
0: I mean, I can tell you, I've seen the chat feature (laughs) and what it looks like in fourth grade. (laughs)
4: Yes. So it's interesting because our the platform we had full access to everything at the beginning. But as it went on, our district took away some of those features. Okay. Um, so because there were problems with um, with things being said in the chat rooms, not necessarily in my class, but in other classes in the district, yeah. so features have been taken off of our accounts because of that. It's really interesting.
0: The, it's everyone learning at the same time how to do this, and I just have so much empathy for teachers because it's adding a whole layer of technology and logistics on top of just curriculum. Um, So I have a fourth grader and I have had a fourth grader before also a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that age in particular? I find it really, um, it's such a cool age because they're reading really fluently. They're great critical thinkers. They're good little artists and writers. And I just feel like it's, it's a year where you can do so much, um, like cross, cross subject, cool projects and stuff. At least that's even looking back at my own memory of being a fourth grader, you build a mission and you, you know, you do like walk through California and you dress up like a, um, historical person so much has changed. Talk about what you love about fourth grade and what, um, what some of the, the things that you think about that age and developmental stage are. And then maybe after that, we'll get into like how that looks virtually.
4: Sure. So fourth grade, I've been teaching that particular grade level for at least 12 years. I've actually been teaching for 20. Um, and it is absolutely my favorite grade level. Um, so it's a transition year. Um, many people don't realize how hard fourth grade is for many students because it trans- we transition from that learning to read stage into, we call it reading to learn, mm-hmm. right? So uh, like you said, students are much more fluent readers and we begin to actually use their reading skills to teach them content. Mm-hmm. So it becomes so much more fun. So our reading lessons really are content lessons. So we do a lot more uh, social studies and science investigations through our reading time. Yeah, Students do more long-term projects. So um, a writing assignment won't be something that they're just working on one day, but that they might be working on for a few weeks at a time right. and researching and building knowledge. And it's just so fun to watch them make that transition during the year mm-hmm. of, you know, little kids to big kids. Yeah. Um, and I just find that their relationships with each other begin to change and mature as mm-hmm. well. And just getting to talk to them like little adults, mm-hmm. they can really think about things and whether something is right or wrong and why. And, um, I love to have just those conversations with them. You can reason with them like you can't with a little kid, Mm -hmm. you know, if they're having a time with an emotion, you can really talk through it with them. Um, so it's a lot of fun. I love, I love, love, love fourth graders.
0: I can tell just by your voice that you love what you do. Um, a lot of what you described is n- not translatable over a screen. So what does that feel like to you as a teacher? Is that is that hard? Are you missing that?
4: Oh, it is so hard. Um, we were, my colleagues and I, my other fourth grade teachers, we were having a meeting to plan our lessons for next week, this morning actually. And we were just talking about how hard it is to teach without the feedback of The look on their faces or, you know, many of them, they stay muted most of the time in Mm -hmm. the Zoom calls because they have pets or they have brothers and sisters in the background and and all of that. And just to not have the the way that kids um, will just sort of interject a thought, you know, and you can see where their mind is at the time. That's all missing from the the online learning and it's so hard. I didn't realize as a teacher, I don't think how much I rely on the, the students feedback in yeah. a lesson mm-hmm. and it's, um, it kind of leaves everything flat. Yeah. Um, I really miss them. Um, and I, I miss that in, in face to face interaction. It's really not the same.
0: Yeah. I can imagine. And I would imagine that gauging progress is also really difficult. Um, I'm sure you and I could talk for an hour, but what can we, what can we say briefly about the stress parents feel to manage their kids schoolwork? And then how, how you interpret that as a teacher who probably is just trying to do your job, provide as much material as you can um, and get these kids as ready for fifth grade as possible. I just feel like there's still a disconnect in what parents think they have to do or feel pressure to do and what teachers are saying, which is do your best, you know, try to show up and it's all going to be okay.
4: Yeah, I just, I think it's been really difficult, particularly in the school that I, that I work at in many schools in the area. It's, um, the, the students do not all have access to devices and mm-hmm. to the internet the way that maybe your kids and my kids do. Right. Um and so that was a challenge, particularly at the beginning. Um, our school um did hand out devices to students that didn't have them. Um, and many internet providers did provide free internet access for the next three months. Mm-hmm. So that's been nice. The district has also been begun to give out hotspots. Um so even all of our students haven't been connected for yeah. the whole entire time, and that's caused that's caused a lot of problems in being able to make sure that they are even getting what I'm sending out. Mm-hmm. Um, and families also have different levels of proficiency with technology. Yeah. so many parents don't even know how to get onto the school platform, right. So just even some of my instructional videos have just been on how to log in, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, how to send an email, how to do all of these little things that we sort of take for granted. Mm -hmm. And that's been a big challenge. Um, but I think the thing that I, I'm trying to keep in mind with my own children, myself, and then also with my students is that kids are so resilient. Mm -hmm. Um, my, you know, in my twenty years of teaching, I've just seen over and over and over again how students can overcome challenges that, as adults, we just can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're going to be fine, and we just have to give each other a lot of grace. Yeah. Um, I I really just want my my parents to know and my students to know that I care about them. Yeah. Um, that's the biggest goal that I have right now. Um, and I want them to access what they can get, what they can get done, Mm -hmm. but I don't want any additional stress. Everybody is so stressed already. I don't want to add on to that. Yeah. If that makes sense.
0: It, It totally makes sense. And I think, I mean, I, I know a few teachers in my personal life and I don't know a single teacher who's saying, gosh darn it, these families aren't getting all the worksheets in on time. Like, I just think there's sometimes they have to provide, and it's great that they are providing lesson plans and assignments and ways to continue learning, but then somehow well-meaning parents interpret that as like a judgment upon them. Like if if it doesn't get done this week, you're a bad mom or, right. you know, so as much as we can say that out loud, like you, what you just said is your biggest priority right now is for your families to know that you care about them. And that's, I believe, you know, felt by so many teachers. So thank you for saying that. Agree. What feels hard for you, especially we haven't talked much about your own life as a mom. So what, what feels challenging uh, as you also have two home learners right now yourself and you know, you're married to a school principal. What feels hard on the home front?
4: Yeah, so uh, it feels hard. I guess I'm I'm a planner. Like I think you are, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Um, I like systems mm-hmm. and routines, and I'm like that as a mom and as a teacher. And so um, I think the the not knowing uh, what's going to happen, when this is going to end um, how it's going to end. Those are all things that cause me, I guess, a lot of anxiety.
3: Mm
4: -hmm. I feel like it kind of knocked me, knocked me over. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I have worry for my students, you know, um, worrying, are they okay? And then also, um, am I giving them too much? Am I not giving them enough? Um, and for my own kids, you know, while I'm trying to provide all of this instruction for, for my students, you know, my own kids are also learning and I'm trying to, um, to help them with their schoolwork as well. Um, and my husband is, um, his school is a food center. okay. Um, so he actually still goes to work at least for the mornings, he gets home a lot earlier than he would on a normal, um, day in our normal schedule. But it really is, um, it's hard because I'm handling everything with the kids Mm -hmm. really by myself. Luckily my kids are older, so, um, I can tell them I'm going to be on a zoom meeting for the next hour. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to handle your things yourself for a little bit and they can do that. I can't even imagine teachers that have little kids yeah. that are very small handling yeah. it. Um, yeah. So I am grateful for that. But I think just the the not being able to plan yeah. is really hard for me. I think personally. a lot.
0: Yeah, a lot of people feel that right now, for sure. Um, well, what feels hopeful? We're asking everybody this, and it's been really fun to hear everybody's answers. And it can be anything, small or big. But what's bringing you hope right now?
4: Oh, I think. I've really, I've loved the slowness mm-hmm. of life. Um, I mean, we were so busy, you know, mm-hmm. March twelfth before this all happened. You know, um, with working full time and my kids in school, and my kids also played sports. They mm-hmm. were in baseball and softball, and suddenly everything stopped. You mm-hmm. know, and um, I, I really love the not rushing. Mm-hmm. And it feels really hopeful knowing that there's actually more time in a day than I actually thought there was. I love that. Um, and I think, too, I've learned so much technology-wise in <laughs> yeah. my in my work. I'm like, wow, I, I was already pretty um, technologically savvy. But there are some things that I've learned um, this last month and a half that I'm, I know I'll be able to carry back into my classroom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that will really benefit my students. Yeah. And I feel also like um my family we're having some good quality time together mm-hmm. and I think there's going to be some good memories that will come out of it. Um I the agree. things that we're just doing the four of us that are just really nice. Yeah, I that agree. was hopeful. I agree.
0: Um well, is there anything else that you wish uh parents understood especially from the teacher's perspective? Um you touched on a lot already, but anything else you can share that you want to leave us with from, from your teacher perspective?
4: Well, I just think that um, your, your kids will catch up. Whatever yeah. they've missed, we will get them caught up in the fall. Um, right now, just love each other, keep each other safe, and everything will be okay on the homework part. Yeah. Don't let that add to any stress. And even in regular times, I always tell parents don't fight about schoolwork. It's not worth it.
0: Yeah.
4: Um, We want school to be something that kids love. Yeah. So um, I want that to stay a positive thing for all the kids and for parents as well. So let's not fight about getting our kids to do their schoolwork right now.
0: A hundred percent. I'm so glad that you said that. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Um, Well, Robin, thank you so much for taking the time to share your perspective. And thank you so much for what you're doing for your students. Um, I know parents are appreciating teachers more than ever right now. So I just wish you the best as you finish out this crazy school year.
4: Yes. Thank you so much. (laughs) It's been great talking to you.
0: Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you're listening, and that way you'll get notified when our new episodes drop, both the regular parenting and motherhood topics you're used to hearing from the Mom Hour, as well as this special series.
1: Also, if you're enjoying our podcast episodes during this time, we'd so appreciate your support in the form of a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Ratings and reviews help others find the show and they help us continue to grow so we could reach more moms.
0: We'll be back with you on Tuesday with another all new episode of the Mom Hour. Talk to you then.